Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for another episode. I'm your host, Brad Betke. We will be discussing our typical NFL and college football recaps, previews. We'll be looking at the World Series as it currently stands. And you expected it. This week's fast break is coming at you right here, right now. So stay tuned for episode 49 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. Uh. Took my baby to the highest highs. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for another episode, the San Francisco 49ers episode. Let's get right into it. No hesitation. It's time for your week eight NFL recap. Starting with the Thursday night game, Ravens-Buccaneers, 27-22 Ravens. Won't get too deep into detail as I touched on it in last week's episode. Next up, Miami Dolphins, Detroit Lions. This game was lost by Detroit in typical Detroit fashion. 14-point lead, ended up blowing the game. Nothing special there or out of the ordinary. DeAndre Swift, first game back from injury. No surprise to see that he had very minimal involvement. Five catches, five rushes. Um, that's kind of exactly what you expect from a guy who just came back from a week, couple weeks of injury. And on the contrary, typical week from Mr. Hill and Mr. Waddle. Um, just really dominating the receiving game right now in the NFL. Kind of can't really touch him. Next up, you've got Packers and Bills. This was another really good game, personally. Um, I'm not really surprised with the score. I will say that it was good to see uh, Rodgers touching up with some rookie receivers and getting some touchdowns there, but otherwise there's really nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, Josh Allen playing a bit weird, though. Two interceptions, two touchdowns. I guess that's not something we're used to seeing from him, but he's actually, if I'm correct, he's tied for fourth in interceptions in the league right now. Not something you expect to see from a guy like him. And Stephon Diggs being his usual self as well. Broncos-Jaguars. Broncos barely pull this one out here, the London game, in the morning. 21-17 uh, with a pretty good performance coming from um, a combination of Latavius Murray and Melvin Gordon kind of holding it down in the backfield with the lack of Javante Williams, getting a couple touchdowns there. And Russell Wilson didn't play terrible, but could have avoided the interception. And then on the contrary, Jacksonville, Travis Etienne doing exactly what everyone expected him to do in the absence of taking over James Robinson, and obviously he was traded recently, but also the two interceptions there from Trevor Lawrence definitely hurt the impact of the game. Panthers and Falcons, this game was crazy. If anybody got to watch it, it had the, one of the craziest endings I've seen to a game. So... Falcons were up. Panthers throw a Hail Mary bomb to DJ Moore. He scores the touchdown, but he went too crazy. He over-celebrated, got a penalty. It, it forced the field goal to be a lot further back than it normally would have been. Kicker missed it, went to overtime. Both teams failed to score. I think it was Falcons failed, Carolina failed, and then Falcons went on and then kicked the field goal to win the game. And it really was a crazy finish. And a lot of people, I will say, a lot of people are blaming DJ Moore for over-celebrating. But at the end of the day, you hire a kicker to do one thing in the NFL. And he missed not only the one to seal the game, but he also missed another one in 
So he missed that extra point, and then he missed a field goal in overtime as well. So something that is quite literally this guy's only purpose, he was unable to do. So I don't think it's DJ Moore's fault. He has a love for the sport. I think he was just celebrating, and he loved what he loved what happened. It was exciting. Can't really blame the guy. Cowboys and Bears. Quite a performance from the Cowboys defense. 49-29. to Really putting on a show there. Justin Fields actually played a really good game. He only had six incompletions, 151 yards, two touchdowns, while also uh, racking up 60 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown as well. Honestly, a pretty good game from him. You really can't blame the guy. But between Tony Pollard racking up 131 yards and three touchdowns, while also having their defense recover the fumble and also... Just really, I mean, I don't really know how to put it into words. They just outplayed the Bears. I mean, that was expected, but they genuinely did play really good football. Got another game here, Cardinals-Falcons. Not Cardinals-Falcons, Cardinals-Vikings. This was a pretty good performance. Kyler Murray, I don't know what, he's just not himself. I think I've said that before, but he's really just not. The interceptions are killing him. They don't really have a rush, a running back right now. Losing James Conner these last few weeks have sucked, and Eno Benjamin just hasn't really... He was reliable here and there, but nothing out of the ordinary. DeAndre Hopkins back to his normal self, 159 yards and a touchdown. Y'all forget who Nuke is, man. And Rondale Moore with 92 and a touchdown as well. Pretty good performance there, but it wasn't enough to topple the Vikings, who had three rushing touchdowns from both Cook and Madison, while also having one from Kirk Cousins. And not to mention two receiving touchdowns, K.J. Osborne and Johnny Munt. Looking at the Raiders and Saints, man, this game was, I mean, I don't even know what to say, you know. There really is nothing, but Saints shut out the Raiders 24-0. It's very uncommon in the NFL. Derek Carr only had 101 yards and a pick. Josh Jacobs only 43 rushing yards, while on the contrary, Alvin Kamara did it all on two different sides of the ball. Alvin Kamara, 62 yards and a rushing touchdown, 96 yards and two receiving touchdowns. Quite literally put the team on his back and ran with it. Patriots-Jets, very close game. Came down to the last few minutes, but Patriots came over on top. Zach Wilson, three interceptions. Definitely a very big part of the game's outcome. Pretty good game from Garrett Wilson. Haven't seen production like that out of him in a few weeks. Next game, you've got Philadelphia Eagles, Pittsburgh Steelers, Philly did exactly what we expected them to do. Jalen Hurts, 285 and four touchdowns. Three of them to A.J. Brown on 156 yards. Great game by him, and their defense played fairly well. Also, Kenny Pickett, I'm sorry, but he's designed to throw interceptions. His last name literally has the word pick in it. I really can't help it. The guy's been throwing picks like crazy, um, and they don't really have any rushing help at all. Don't really know what they're going to do there. There's definitely a solution in Pittsburgh, but they can't seem to find it. Houston and Tennessee. Tennessee topples them by 7, 17, 10. Derrick Henry carries the team once again, 219 yards, two touchdowns. He does it all, ladies and gentlemen. He is that guy. Commanders and Colts. Commanders come out on top by a singular point. I personally think it is safe to say that Taylor Heineke is your guy to go to in Washington. He is playing a lot better passing game-wise than Wentz was. Wentz was being very inconsistent, not to mention Heineke is somewhat of a reliable rushing option as well, 29 yards and a touchdown 
on the ground as well as 279 in the air and a touchdown. Terry McLaurin looking like his usual self with 113. Colts, you had Jonathan Taylor come back 76 yards on 16 carries, but something is just off this year. This this year, he went from fantasy's leading scorer last year to one of the worst running backs in this year. Don't really know what the deal is. San Francisco, L.A. Rams, Christian McCaffrey did something that only very, 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 very few have ever done. He threw a touchdown, he ran for a touchdown, and he received a touchdown. Fantastic game from him. Glad to see that he's fitting into the scheme of San Francisco pretty quickly. I did mention that in last week's episode, that he would have a lot more time this week to get acclimated and that it would have a positive effect. Here we are, beating their in-state rival by almost three scores. Then your Sunday night game, Giants-Seahawks. Seahawks played fantastic. Their defense came to play. Geno Smith, man, I'm talk about most improved player. Comeback player of the year, whichever award it is. 212 yards, two TDs, no picks, plus another 26 rushing yards, 104 passer rating. Very good game out of him. Daniel Jones did everything but throw a touchdown, and it just seems like the offense in New York, they couldn't really get going because Seattle's defense showed up to play. Monday Night Football, Browns-Bengals. Very surprising win in my opinion. Browns coming out on top. And it comes from Nick Chubb's 101 yards and two rushing touchdowns, while Amari Cooper, 131 yards and a touchdown receiving as well. Definitely you can feel the presence of Jamar Chase being out on the Bengals. I feel like he's a very important weapon for that team, and they definitely needed him to be there, and he just isn't able to at this time. There you have it. Week 8 preview going into Week 9 recap. I'm sorry. Week 8 recap. Week 9 preview. Goodness gracious. Just finished the game. Eagles are now 8-0, up 29-17 over the Houston Texans. Did look pretty rough in the first half. It was tied at 14 going into the half. But the Philadelphia Eagles turned it up, got more comfortable, and started to play better football in that second half as well. 100 receiving yards from tight end Goddard and a touchdown from both him and A.J. Brown. Another good game from Hertz. Very consistent, 130 passer rating, 243, two TDs, and it's 93 yards and a touchdown from Miles Sanders. Texans played pretty good. Damian Pierce, very good case to be rookie of the year. Uh, 139 yards, unfortunately no no touchdowns for him. Definitely need to find a way to get that guy in the end zone more often. But it just looks like Eagles defense turned up second half, really got it going. Starting off your Sunday, first 1 o'clock game, Detroit Lions, Green Bay Packers. I think that Detroit actually might have a chance to win this game because, in my opinion, this game is less about which team is better and more about which team is less bad. And I think that Detroit has a chance to be less bad, but you never know. It's Detroit. Bills and Jets, I do think that this is a very easy game for the Bills Last week definitely saw a tough loss for the Jets, but I just don't think Zach Wilson is the guy, and I think he's actually going to get you in more trouble than saving you. Chargers, Falcons. Personally, I think this is going to be a close game. I think Falcons is going to give Chargers a run for their money, but I do think Chargers come out on top. Although losing Keenan Allen is going to be a tough loss, I think they're going to make up for it between Joshua Palmer, Gerald Everett, and Austin Eckler. Look at next, Dolphins, Bears. Don't think there's a whole lot of thought going into this. Uh, Dolphins added pass rusher Bradley Chubb to the mix and also adding running back Jeff Wilson. Uh, 
I don't think there's really too much of a question here. I do think that they put up the better fight. Bears also did add Claypool, but I just don't think that is enough to get it done. Panthers and Bengals. I do think the Bengals bounced back from a tough loss last week to the Cleveland Browns. And I don't think Carolina has what it takes to beat a team of the caliber of the Bengals. Although the Bengals are 4-4, four four, they're a lot better than their record says they are. Colts and Patriots. This one I really don't know because the Patriots have shown me two very different sides of themselves. And it's really hard to pinpoint which one. And same with the Colts. They've shown me two very different sides of themselves. So this one I actually I really don't know. I'm going to go Colts just because I think they can win the game. But we shall see. Looking at Vikings Commanders. Man, Vikings are looking real good. Not to mention the trade for TJ Hawkinson. Adding that elite, a pretty good tight end to the mix there. And definitely helping the passing offense. Maybe even relieve some pressure off Jefferson and Thielen to get it done there. And the Commanders, like, man, we know. They're just really not. They're inconsistent. But don't sleep on them. I definitely think there's a chance to win that game here. Raiders Jaguars. Man, whew. This is not a very good game. These teams are both playing very well, and it's crazy that the Raiders are as bad as they are. Ironically enough, Jacksonville's the favorite here. I'm going to take Vegas. I do think that they work out many kinks from last week, but I'm going to take Vegas here. Seattle and Arizona. Seattle, ironically, has the better record here. You wouldn't have said that before the season started. I know I wouldn't have, but here we are. Geno Smith leading the team. I'm taking Seahawks. They've been playing better football overall. They are not the favorite, but I'm taking them. I think that they win that game, no questions asked. Rams and Buccaneers, in my opinion, two of the most underperforming teams in the NFL right now. It's hard to pick a team to win here. I'm going to go with the... Man, it really is hard. I'm going to go with the Rams. I just I think that they 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 they're better. I think offensively is where they where they're going to win the game. They both have elite defenses, but we shall see. Titans and Chiefs. Derrick Henry can he run it up against the Chiefs? I think the Chiefs smack them real good for your Sunday night game going into Monday night. Baltimore New Orleans. I don't think this is a very close game. I think Baltimore wins by at least fourteen to seventeen points, and they run away with it. In Nolens. There you have it, folks. There is your preview and recap for the NFL. I want to go over the biggest trades that happened as we approached this trade deadline here. I mentioned a few, but I'm going to go over the details of each trade. Claypool to Pittsburgh. I'm sorry. Claypool to Chicago. And Pittsburgh received two second-round picks. TJ Hawkinson and two fourth-round picks to Minnesota for a second and a third. Calvin Ridley to Jacksonville for pick compensation. Remember, Ridley is still suspended the rest of the year. Bradley Chubb to the Miami Dolphins for San Francisco's first and a Chase Edmonds. Not to mention Jeff Wilson to Miami for a fifth-round pick. So they replaced Edmonds with Wilson at running back. I don't think I hate the idea. Roquan Smith, all-pro linebacker for the Bears. What a steal here by Baltimore. They got they got Roquan Smith for A.J. Klein, a second and a fifth. I think that's a huge steal. Jacob Martin from the Jets, pass rusher to Denver. Try and make up for that loss in Bradley Chubb, but I don't think you really can. And they managed to get a pick swap out of that in New York. New Jersey, if you will, actually. 
William Jackson the third corner from Washington is going to Pittsburgh for a conditional sixth and a seventh as well. And then Naheem Hines running back in Indy going to the Buffalo Bills in exchange for Zach Moss and a sixth round pick. Now, let's quickly evaluate these trades here. I think the Bears add a very much needed receiver. Someone who's capable of really putting up wide receiver two-ish, one-ish numbers. I don't know that he's quite a wide receiver one, but he will be in Chicago. TJ Hawkinson going to Minnesota, absolutely crucial pick for them. Uh, Their current tight end before that was Irv Smith, and not that the guy isn't talented. He just doesn't have enough to really pull that attention the way Hawkinson will. Hawkinson is a top seven tight end in this league, and I think that that's going to be very important for a team like Minnesota, who's currently 6-1 and one and has arguably the best receiver in football. Calvin Ridley to, Ridley to Jacksonville. I think this could be beneficial in the future. Ironically, some of you may not know this, Ridley was banned for the season due to gambling for his own team, and you know what's funny? He had picked the Falcons to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars in the bets that he placed, and now he's on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Really something. Bradley Chubb to Miami, I think this is huge. Adding somebody on the opposite side of Emmanuel Ogba is going to be massive for a team like Miami that really is just a few missing pieces from a consist- from a contending playoff run. Um, I think this is a huge move for them, not to mention getting Wilson. I do think that Edmonds, it just didn't work out. Edmonds is a pretty good back. Things worked out for him in Arizona, and I think that's where he was able to get the deal in Miami, but it just doesn't seem to be working out with him there. Roquan Smith, like I said, I think Baltimore got a huge steal here. Um, Not to mention they just recently activated Tyus Bowser and David Ajabo, their first-round pick out of Michigan. Um, I do think that that linebacking core could be very dangerous, not to mention Patrick Queen, LJ Fort. They really do have some talented linebackers there. Jacob Martin to Denver. I think that it's very important that they made this move just to try and make up for the loss of Bradley Chubb because he was a big part of their defense as well. Um, But I don't think he's quite going to have that impact. I think it's kind of obvious, but still I think it's important to try and refill that void. Pittsburgh addressing a much-needed issue with Jackson at corner. They definitely need some more help on the outside. And then Buffalo kind of going with a dual receiving back backfield. Hines has been known to be a very heavily receiving back guy in Indy, and I think he's taken that role along with Devin Singletary over to Buffalo. Whereas Zach Moss, things really weren't weren't really working out with Buffalo and Moss, so hopefully they'll change there in Indianapolis, especially with uh, Jonathan Taylor being in and out of injury so much. All right, well, those those are my trades. Those are the ones I think were a big deal there. Those are the ones I think that you needed to look out for or that you should know about. And there you have it. Moving on to the World Series. I'll tell you guys, this is definitely something that I don't think most of us expected here. Um, Philadelphia putting up a fantastic fight here in the World Series. And you got to remember, I did mention this last week, Philly going into the playoffs was arguably the worst team out of everyone that was there. They had barely made it. Just at the end of the season there, not to mention they had the worst regular season record out of anyone in the playoffs. So I don't. I definitely think that when the playoffs started, not one person other than a Philly fan was sitting there saying Philly to the World Series. Um, yet here we are, and they're giving arguably the best team in baseball a run for their money. Series is currently tied at 2-2, two to two, but as I am recording this, there is currently a game in the bottom of the eighth inning. 
Houston is up three to one. That would give them a three to two series lead in the World Series over Philly. But let's be honest here. Philly has been playing very good. Uh, one thing that is really kind of throwing you off here: there has been no clear champion. A lot of the games have been very one-sided or the other. Other than Game One, which was six to five Philly, you've had five to two Houston, seven to zero Philly, and five to zero Houston. And currently, Houston's up three to one. So it's been very left and right. It hasn't been any. The games haven't been really close, if you will. Other than Game One, like I said, um, and. It's 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 personally it's really surprising to see this much separation in the score just because you would really only expect to see this kind of stuff from the one side being Houston being arguably the best team in baseball, but yet here we are Philly worst record in the regular season out of all playoff teams and they are giving Houston a hard time it really is something, so I I don't know I mean there's really not too much to say here Yuri Gurriel and McCormick are leading the Astros at the plate for this game. Definitely playing some good baseball as well. I think Gurriel is leading the Astros in batting average, so he's definitely a heavy part of Houston's success. But, um, I mean, overall, it really is fascinating to see that Philly is out there giving them a run for the money while you also got the Philadelphia Eagles 8-0. I mean, Philly's running the world right now. It's just crazy. Very good stuff. That's really all I got to say about the World Series, man. I mean, I apologize to my baseball fans. I just don't know that much about baseball. I would get into much more detail. I promise I would, but my knowledge is not that extensive there. I have been trying to learn more and more, but you can only learn so much. So I am going to lean something that I know a little more about. College football, week nine recap. Let's go over the games we discussed. Penn State, Ohio State. Man, listen, this game was a lot closer than it should have been for most of the game. Penn State was giving them a hard time and was actually winning the game for a good portion of it, but Penn State gave up 28 straight points to Ohio State at the end of the game, um, and there really wasn't anything that they could do to stop that um, other than a field goal here and a field goal there. And a Penn State, I believe, scored right at the end of the game, but seriously, I mean, if it wasn't for that fourth quarter turn up by Ohio State, Penn State could have won this game for all we know. Very good game out of both teams, but Ohio State coming out on top, 44-31. Notre Dame and Syracuse. Notre Dame, who started the season as a top 10 rank, fell out of the top 25 in general, comes in and beats the number 16 team in the country, Syracuse, 41-24. Really crazy. Oklahoma State, Kansas State. This game was probably the most mind-blowing game of the year so far. Oklahoma State going into this game was 9-seed over Kansas State, 22. Kansas State shut out Oklahoma State, 48-0. Absolutely mind-boggling. Really, really something. I mean, you just you don't know what to say in those situations. Louisville, unranked team, Molly Wappen, Wake Forest, number 10, 48-21. Fantastic performance bear there by the Cardinals, led by quarterback Malik Cunningham. Another good matchup we discussed last week, Kentucky-Tennessee. Not too surprised with the score, but definitely surprised that Kentucky didn't put up a few more points. You only had the six points out of them. Will Levis, three interceptions, no touchdowns with a 16 QBR rating. He didn't even break 100 yards passing. 
Is Tennessee's defense that good, or is Kentucky's offense that inconsistent? Hard to say, hard to tell. Another name that you're probably very familiar with at this point, Jalen Hyatt. Is he the best receiver in the country? 138, two touchdowns. My opinion, the, he is the best in the country to everyone except Marvin Harrison Jr. If you've been watching the games that Ohio State has played, Marvin Harrison Jr. is quite literally reincarnation of his father. Marvin Harrison was an absolute legend, and here we are. He is following in his father's footsteps, being a great receiver. Michigan, Michigan State, fantastic game by Michigan. Outplayed them on very simple play. A lot of field goals. Definitely could have scored more points, 29 to seven. But more importantly, I want to discuss what happened after that game. There was a huge brawl that f- came out. Currently, there are eight Michigan State players dis suspended, not disqualified, suspended for jumping and assaulting University of Michigan players. Um, absolutely the most unacceptable thing I've seen in my entire life. I'm not saying any of this because I am a fan of Michigan and I'm not using any bias here. I think that anybody should understand that this is quite literally the single most embarrassing and unacceptable piece of behavior I have ever seen in sports in my life. At this point in your life, you are adults. You are playing for a prestigious university in the United States, a D1 school. You worked your ass off to get to this point, and this is how you treat all those people that sacrificed those things, those hours, your parents, your family, your friends, all that time that they put in to make sure that you could succeed, and this is how you repay them? By acting like a thug and jumping somebody because they were walking in your area? Now, I'm going to understand, and I will agree, the Michigan player was probably running his mouth. But, rightfully so, it's football. If you've ever played a competitive sport, you know there is trash talk. It happens often. It's going to happen. It will never stop. So, for those that are trying to victimize the victim, I'm sorry, victimize Michigan State, saying that, oh, they just acted on their own instincts because, and it blows me that anybody is even trying to defend them, but it really, it's just not fair. It's just not fair and unacceptable, and I personally think that not enough people were held accountable. I think that Mel Tucker needs to be suspended. I think that any player in those videos that didn't stop their teammates from the thing, I think Michigan State as a whole needs to be suspended for the rest of the season because I think that that's actually like unacceptable, and I promise I'm, I don't think I'm overreacting because I think in order to prevent this from ever happening again, you need to make it a very big deal so that players will think twice before doing some stupid shit like the players in Michigan State. Absolutely unbelievable. That's all I'm going to say about that. Going to your Week 10 college football preview. Some games to keep your eyes open for. There are a handful of good ones coming in this week. And really quick, before I jump into that, I just want to say that the new top 10 rankings I just don't agree with. Putting Clemson over Michigan, I think, is just straight bullshit. And it's, again, not because of the bias of me being a Michigan fan. I genuinely believe that Clemson does not deserve to be the fourth best team in the country. They barely got past one of their opponents. They haven't really played anybody in genuine of genuine skill. Um, I just don't think it's fair. But, despite all that, arguably the best matchup in the season so far, two eight-no teams, someone's got to lose, Georgia, Tennessee, the number one and number three teams in the country. 
Very, very excited to see this game. Hendon Hooker has been playing out of his mind. Stetson Bennett, he's a very consistent, fundamental guy. Um, this will be a very good game. A lot of people are giving the edge to Georgia by a pretty good amount, but I don't know, man. I mean, Tennessee, listen, all I'm going to say is don't ex don't be surprised. That's all I'm going to say. Another pretty good matchup here to keep your eyes on, Alabama-LSU. LSU climbing into the top ten, and Alabama looking a little bit rough, I will say. They had a very close game the other day. Brian Kelly for LSU is definitely very excited, very hyped about this game, and Alabama definitely is looking to re 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 rebound and look a lot better than they have been lately. Texas-Kansas State. Now, Kansas State played out of their minds this last week against Oklahoma State. Can they do it again against an even slightly better opponent in Texas? A lot of people would argue that they aren't better than Oklahoma State, but I would argue that they could be. They just haven't been given the proper attention, if you will. Clemson-Notre Dame. I'm saying, all I'm going to say is this. Clemson wins, but it's going to be a very close game. I'm leaving it at that. Wake Forest, NC State, a top 25 matchup. Very good teams here. Uh, both teams looking to kind of rebound and get back on track for their season. Hartman for Wake Forest has been playing really, really good this year. Hopefully he can get it together from last week and do it again. There you have it. Week 10 preview for college football. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is for this week's fast break. Let's jump right into it. Starting off the bat, Tom Brady and the supermodel Giselle finalize a divorce after 13 years together. Should Brady have retired or was staying in the league the right choice? Some Brooklyn Nets news. They have fired Steve Nash and plan to replace him with Celtics suspended coach Ime Udoka, who's had a successful career with the Celtics recently. But they've also suspended Kyrie Irving for a minimum of five games for not acknowledging that he is not with the anti-Semitic things of the movie that he posted on his Instagram, I believe, the other day. Very, very, very dramatic things happening in Brooklyn. A fun fact about the NFL trade deadline this year broke a 30-year record based on number of deals. Most players were swapped on a deadline day in over 30 years. Unbelievable. Some NASCAR news for you. Ross Chastain had a crazy pull at NASCAR's oldest track. It's doing something that you would see out of a video game. Crashing straight into the wall and using it full force momentum to pass many people up. And he actually qualified in NASCAR's championship four finale doing so. It really, really was all over social media. If you haven't seen it, please go see it. It really is entertaining to watch. It's very hard to believe that it worked, but it did. You witness it firsthand. Looking at the owner for the Washington Commanders, Dan Snyder is being criminally investigated for mishandling finances for the team. A lot of speculation that he will soon be selling the team because of it. On top of his past misconduct investigations and owners trying to force him out of the league, will we finally see what Dan Snyder has threatened he has on the NFL and its owners? Only time will tell. 
And lastly, something that is more of an interactive thing here. I do want to hear everyone's opinion on the turf versus grass debate. How do you feel? Should the NFL convert to grass only? Should they keep turf? Tell me. I want to know what you think. All right, you guys, there it is, this week's fast break and the end of episode 49 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. I cannot believe the next episode I record will be the 50th episode of the podcast. It's crazy to think we've come this far, and I'm absolutely grateful for all the support that we've had, but it just keeps going up and up and up from here, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Brad Becky, and I will see you next week for episode 50 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. Uh, yeah, took my baby to the highest high.